bow, bow. Ladies and gents, welcome back to a Thompson and other disappointments. Your twice a week foray, nay, frolic into the fragmented fog of fatalistic and forlorn fuckery. Alliteration be damned. Welcome to this solo show. Pull up a pew, pour yourself a drink, whatever it takes, whatever you need to get through the state of this country, the formerly Great Britain. Whatever it is that you need, just just do it. It's fine. We're all friends here. Uh, how, how's it going? What's going on with you guys? I'm back. Uh, I've recently had a couple of like little mini breaks, if you like. I went away camping. I took the kids, the missus, to this sort of field near Brighton with a few friends. It was good fun. It was cool, man. It was, you know, it was a sort of standard post-festival, post-parenthood kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're all too old to really, you know, tear it up at Glastonbury. So what we do now, now that we've got kids and now we've got responsibilities, we can't do too crazy. Now what we do is we book a tent pitch and we put up our tents and then we all sit around in a circle and we knock back a few beers, you know? <laughs> and we relive the glory days. We pretend that we're still young and camping at a festival. Is that kind of vibe? Uh, so there was that and then... And then what? More recently, this last week, um, we uh, we all went up. We went up north to go and stay with some of my girlfriend's old uni friends, mates from back of the day. Which has been, I mean, sort of fun. <laughs> it's been it's been kind of fun, fun-ish. You know, it's a, it's been a sort of week where. Like, I'm glad that we did it, but, like, while we were there, I was thinking, like, could we just, like, leap forward by 10 days so that this has all, all already happened? And I could just think back and go, yeah, okay, I'm glad. I'm glad that we got out of town for a week, but I'm also really glad that now we're back, you know? It's been fun-ish. It's been, like, because obviously, you know, this year has been hard on a lot of people, right? You know, it's been very weird with the mortgage crisis. For us and hundreds of thousands of others out there. Like, clearly cash flow has taken a hit for us. I don't think that's going to surprise any of you who have listened to episodes of this before or who have, you know, caught my tweet threads about our remortgage and my fears for what that was going to do to us. By the way, all of that is kind of-ish settled now. We're not going to lose the house. Don't worry. The solution that we arrived at doesn't come with no downsides. It's, you know, there's still... Some shit to work out there, but it's, you know, we have a home. So chill your beans on all that stuff. You're fine. Um, but yeah, so cash flow, holidays, it's, you know, clearly we've taken a bit of a hit on this from last year's somewhat extravagant jaunt to Thailand for a month <laughs> in my in my son's summer holiday. You know, I had two weeks booked and then my work were really cool. They were like, yeah, you can work from the pool from two weeks. Yes, you can work from the beach, remote working with your laptop. You know? It's basically that has gotten replaced with a tent in gale-forced winds and then a week in Warrington. So so that's nice, isn't it? That's... that's uh, you know, the, the, the tropics of Thailand and coding and editing from the side of a swimming pool to Warrington. So, yeah, how's how's that for a disappointment, guys? Cheers. Honestly, man, it's like, you know, to go 
to go from Thailand, man, to then just, you know, staying with a friend in their house. Like, you know, all of us together. <laughs> Cramped in. My kids just running around and breaking things. Things that we don't own, by the way. Other people's things. Like, we're guests in their home. <laughs> They've invited us to stay with them for a week. And within the first couple of days, it's just stains over here and broken fridge magnets. And like, I don't know, man. It's been like, it's, it's been a little hard on me. To be 100% honest with you, dear listeners, it's been a little hard. I don't mind admitting that, you know, in their house, this, you know, then four adults, the two kids and their dog running around. It's like, it's like my brother told me before I became a father. He was like, you know, a holiday with children aid is really no holiday at all. <laughs> like, it's just full on. It's just trying to keep them entertained and trying to keep morale up and keep your women happy and then stop the kids fighting and then you know keep them sat at the same table at the same time stop them grabbing shit and breaking it stop them running off running out the gate and down the street you know keep them in sight and then they hug each other and it's adorable you know but then one of them's hugging them the other one too tight and then they start fighting and then then, you, then you're back to the stress again and all of this is happening all the time while you're trying to finish a story, like, to, to your friend, who you haven't seen for a couple of years, maybe. Like, she's trying to catch up with you, and you're just, just hold on, just hold on. Like, it's hard work at the best of times. But then, like, imagine all of that. But not by a pool, not on the beach, not, not in a hotel room, not in a complex somewhere, but just... Staying in someone else's house. You know, like two families in one. Just smushed in like a pressure cooker. It's just it's just not the one. Man, like the friends, great hosts, amazing. Very understanding, very patient and everything. But it's just like, it's fucking, it's so hard, man. When you're in this cramped space and you've got these young kids and you've you're responsible. For, I mean, you are responsible for them, you know, but it's just like, you know, breakages and embarrassment and just, oh, oh God, Dave, oh, I'm really sorry. They've they've broken your, your wedding photo here. I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, you just feel awkward and shit about it, you know, and it's stressful and full on and cramped and it's a week and you're just, you know, it, it's just not Thailand, is it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's what I think I'm saying here. It's just different holiday experience is you know like it was nice to see friends obviously it was it was nice to see them if not actually exchange meaningful conversation because you know you get, get interrupted quite quite a lot and they were you know they were really good with the kids and they did everything that they could to make us feel welcome and of course they were totally understanding about the kids and everything but still it's just you know you just feel that imposition don't you? There's just this sort of undercurrent of, of like, look, I know how annoying my kids could be. And like, and, and I love them. I love them. And they're driving me fucking bananas sometimes. You know? But you, you're not even related to them. So, you know, like once we remove the boilerplate biological love 
out of the equation, you must want to throw them through the fucking window, you know? It's just that feeling of, oh, God, we're really imposing. Oh, we're breaking their stuff. Oh, we left the state, you know? So, yeah, anyway, we've been, we've been away this last week, and it's been a bit full on in someone else's house, and they've been great hosts. They've been lovely. But I've just felt a bit, you know, like I'm still trembling from the PTSD right now. Or, or the withdrawal of alcohol this way. I don't know. It could be either, to be honest. But which, which reminds me, let's, let's self-medicate that little symptom away straight in the bin. Hmm. Cheers. Like this, this last week reminds me of like, here's, here's a little story for you guys. So, so when I was about 15 or 16, I think, uh, like me, my mum, my brother, uh, the three of us, we were living in Ellington Park in Maidenhead. And it was this shit house in a shit estate in the shittest part of Maidenhead. Just fucking, you know, a bit of deprivation over here and families with social issues over there. And like it was, you know, chain link fences everywhere. Dogs not kept on. Like, you, you get the idea. So... But, but within this house, there was enough room for me, my brother, my mum and her partner, like my stepdad, although they weren't married at that point. And then, you know, so for all of us to operate within this house, there was sufficient room. It's like a family of four, three bed house, garden. It's fine. But then things got a little bit harder because my actually quite religious uncle and his gaudy wife and their two very gaudy children, they all came to live with us. So it was like another family of four, <laughs> all smushed into this little three-bed house, you know? And that is what this last week has felt like. It's felt like this sort of refugee family just like smushed into another family's home and just imposed, you know? So like, I don't want to sound entitled or anything, but you know, if we're talking summer holidays, and, you know, Thailand in the backdrop. Like, what AA star rating does refugee family smushed into another family type? Like, what star rating does that give you as a holiday, do you reckon? Like, I suppose we should talk about politics, really, shouldn't we? We should catch up with, uh, you know, what's been in, in the news while I've been away and everything. But I, f I feel like I'm sort of getting into this now. Should we just carry on? Should we get Should we get Thompson family personal? Let's just, let's, oh, fuck it, let's do it. Um, so. Let me carry on with this story. So some context would be helpful. So this was back at a time uh, when apartheid had just finished in South Africa, or it was just finishing, coming to its closing stages. Um, and there was a lot of fear among white people out there that even though places like Johannesburg were still like hella violent, even back then and before that, like even they were still in the top 50 most murderous cities back then and still are now. These are just dangerous fucking cities with high murder rates. Um, but there was so much fear among the white families out there that things might spill over into, you know, vengeful, revolutionary kind of violence. You know, like imagine, imagine how out of control things need to be for you to be living in a violent ass country like South Africa with its top 50 murder capital city in Joburg. And, and, and then for people to go, oh, shit, 
we better pack our bags because things might get dangerous. You know, like, how, how out of control does it have to be that you're like, oh, you know, what is dangerous? Like, worse than this? Really? More dangerous than this morning? <laughs> when, when I saw my neighbor get dragged out his backy and shot in the head for his Reeboks? Really? More dangerous than being murdered for $3? When, when, what is even the encore for that? Where do you go from there? You know? What are you going to do? You're going to, like, kill him and then call the ambulance and then bring him back to life. Then you're going to kidnap and murder him again. Is that where we're headed? You know? Murder the motherfucker. And then as he's rising up to heaven, just before he steps into the white light, you perform an exorcism and then have his spirit possess someone else. And then you kill him all over again. Like You've already took his three dollars when he was in that body, you sadistic fuck. Just move on. This is inefficient murdering now. So, yeah, anyway, it was it was around this time, that sort of apartheid, post-apartheid kind of time, that they were warning all of the white people that things might deteriorate, you know, and it might get a bit deathy. Even though Joe Berg, as we've established, was already pretty fucking violent. So, so it was a, you know scary and dark time but there is like there is something funny about it isn't there there's something darkly horribly funny about like i imagine my uncle talking to his wife my aunt and then their two kids on the porch of their lovely house somewhere near durban or whatever you know and they'll be like guys guys we better we better leave because things might get dangerous you know but he's saying it while shooting three black guys invading his property with each bullet punctuating the words of his sentence. You know, like, things might get... Oh, just hold on one second. Blah, 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 you know? Things might get a little bit dead. Blah! He's just swatting the natives like they're a pest that he's had to learn to live with kind of thing. Such is the dynamic of white people and black people out there throughout the years that he's lived there and grown up there. You know? All the while, he'd be holding his Bible. That's the fucked up... Like, the whole thing is ridiculous. Now, anyway, so apartheid ends quite rightly, uh, but there's this fear of payback violence, revenge or something. And so in a sort of riches to rags <laughs> tale of hilarity, he is then forced to come and live with us in the shittest council estate in a three bed house cramped in. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, riches to rags is how I like to think of it. Because like, you've got to remember, these were Irish white people living in South Africa, this tropical paradise. Since They've been living there since the 1960s, I think it was. They've been living well out there. Okay, they've got big houses. They've got pools. They've got maids and drivers. Like The whole thing is very driving Miss Daisy. You know, it's not okay. It's all, in fact, rather fucking racist. Or was. I don't know what it's like now. You know, they would have... They would they would call their maid the girl. You know? Like, doesn't that sound like something out of the 19th century to you? And the girl... The girl... The girl would do everything. She would do, you know, your sheets. She would do your laundry. She would do the washing up. She would grab food from the shop. She would look after your children, you know, like everything. They'd have all of the shit jobs. They'd basically be servants, you know. They would basically be slaves. 
is what, is what they were to the white people. And predictably, you would still get, you know, that kind of person who would say, oh, come on, aid. Come on. They're not slaves. Don't be ridiculous. You're being hysterical. Aid. You're being ridiculous. You know, they can work for whoever they like. Nobody owns them. They earn money. They can leave if they want, you know? But I mean, like, I was 11 when I was out there. And I was like, I mean, really? Are we? <laughs> this doesn't feel right. This feels like, you know, you'd look out in the kitchen and there'd be like an exhausted African woman there. And she'd be doing all of your chores while entertaining like your children, never seeing her own. But fuck all money. And if they applied for anything close to your job, they would be laughed out the fucking room, you know? So they might not be forced to work in your specific house, but they were absolutely, like, trapped in their situation and ostensibly forced to keep doing it kind of thing with very little margin for change or improvement and certainly no fucking social mobility. They'd be like, yeah, excuse me, can you can you pay me a bit better? Or, you know, could I get better hours? Or, you know, maybe see my kids a little bit more? Hey, hey, you're, you're not forced to work here. You're free to go and work in any other equally awful Irish white family who will also pay you fuck all and also never look you in the eye. Like, I have established eye contact with one night stands the following Friday in the pub afterwards, more times than my gran ever looked her servant maid girl in the eye. I promise you. I have made eye contact successfully with lonely women on the tube more times than my gran ever looked her house staff directly in the eye. <laughs> That's an A. Thompson price promise. Guarantee. Oh, but they're not. They're not slaves, aid. Eh? Oh, come on. You know, be serious. So, yeah, that was the dynamic around that time. And uh, and yeah, it was it was gross. Um, and so. So as far as I'm aware, you know, I'm not a fucking South African historian or whatever, but from, you know, conversations I've had with my family and, you know, relatives and, and friends and, and so on. As far as I'm led to believe all of that, that kind of dynamic, that sort of subservient dynamic between. Uh, between black people and white people in a professional capacity and in, in many legal capacities, that was all drawing to a close around that time and and and, and indeed for my probably quite racist uh, Irish family. And so they shuttered their nice houses with their big swimming pools in this, this riches to rags tale uh, and they came to live with us in the shittest house <laughs> on the shittest estate of Maidenhead, Berkshire. And I don't know, like, I don't know fully, like, my recollection's a bit hazy. I don't know how long they stayed with us. You know, my uncle, my aunt, the two kids. But it was cramped as fuck, man. For months. Definitely months. And it was weird and awkward. Because I was, like, about 16, I think, maybe. So I just wanted to, you know, go out and meet my friends or, you know, bring them back or sit around in my pants, watch TV, you know, play on my guitar loudly at like eight o'clock at night, you know, 16 year old things that lots of kids do, right? But whenever I did come home, and this is where it gets similar to like last week up at our friend's house, like whenever I did come home to my house, to my home, where I'm supposed to feel relaxed and everything, my gaudy 
fleeing the violence uncle and aunt. Like, they would all be in the front room, but they'd all be like awkward about it sort of thing. Like I would walk in and they would immediately be like, oh, do, do, you, do you want to watch the television? And they would just hand me the remote because they felt like they were sort of intruding. You know, like it should be my choice because it's my home. Sort of, it should be my choice what we all watched. But they were, they were so fucking religious. Like I would want to watch The Simpsons or something, you know, ridiculous. But then I felt like I couldn't, you know, because it might offend them or upset them or it would be a bad influence on their goddy children. Or so, you know, so I'd feel weird about that. And then and then other times, like the kids would be tearing around and then they would break things like kids do. And, and then my uncle would be embarrassed and sort of angry about it. And then or, or I would try to, you know, fend his kids away from things that might get broken. Then he'd get angry, but he just, I told you to go, you know, and then I'd feel bad about that because I'd elicited this sort of angry reaction to a child. And, you know, like, obviously back then I had no understanding of what they were going through, you know, like I knew they were fleeing South Africa and I knew that they had to live with us until the council could house them. But I didn't really have an understanding of like, you know, what a refugee is, you know, because because, look, I mean, yes, look, their lifestyle in SA was probably racist as fuck. Like, I know that we all know that. But that doesn't mean there wasn't a refugee element to their leaving. Right. I mean, this sort of this fear of being carjacked and murdered or lynched by the people that used to work for them who you know wanted to have vengeance on 40 or 50 years of being oppressed or something you know there was that fear and so they were compelled to leave that country there's definitely a refugee element to it i had no understanding of that at the time and anyway look i, I guess what i'm saying is this guys is that when i think back to that period and when i think of how stressed out my uncle was and how he always seemed super stressed and and how impatient he was with his kids and, you know, how cramped in we all were and, and the shit that got broken by his kids and how how, how he, he walked on eggshells around us constantly, just trembling with awkwardness and stress the whole time. When I think about that and then and then I think about the week we've just had <laughs> staying with our friends and I honestly think. I wonder which one was more stressful for my uncle. Was it was it the fleeing possible persecution and murder or was it the being crapped in? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, leaving in a hurry and fire sailing your belongings and your house and everything and catching a flight. I mean, sure, the airport can be stressful and sure, the murdery layers to this must be a little jarring. But I mean, like after the last week, guys, I'm like... You know, I was like plate spinning after my kids, you know, trying to keep this over. Oh, shit. One of them's done this over there. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck me. The other one's just stripped herself naked and she's disturbing Dave's team school, you know, and then and then I'm quickly like catching their food from it. So it doesn't drop and stain on the carpet. And I'm, you know, I'm making sure that they they don't go into rooms that they're not supposed to. And the whole thing, the whole thing was just like, like, you, you know what? Like, my uncle's stress levels, they're trembling with stress. You know, like, truly, I wonder where his stress was actually, you know, stemming from. Was it from fleeing the persecution or was it just being a stressed out, cramped in dad? Because you know what? Like, in the last week, there have been times where I've been like, you know what? Yeah, walking through Kiev 
right now, comparatively, would be a breeze. I, I would give it five AA stars <laughs> as an opulent luxury break right now. Like, I wonder, I wonder how many exhausted dads sent their kids off on trains from Ukraine. <laughs> and at the train station, the wives are just like, we can't live without you. We cannot live without we go, we stay at you at my mother's. We stay at my mother's in Poland. It's safe there. You have to come with me, Dimitri. You have to come with me and your children. You have to come and then the dad is just like, No, 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 no. You <laughs> you go on ahead. But we stay at my mother's. We stay it's not big, but it's it's a little bit cramped, but it's it, it, you will be safe there. In Poland. You come with we your wife and your children. No, 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 no. It's you know, I should probably stay back here and uh, just keep an eye on the house. <laughs> I know that's dark. I'm sorry. I'm sort of sorry-ish, maybe a bit. Like, anyway. I'll tell you what, here's, here's a fucking weird question. This might get me into trouble. Here's a weird... This would be a fun experiment, I think. And Lord knows, I don't want to get too incelly. All right. We, none of us on this show, you guys, me, Patreons, none of us want to be going all incelly or anything. But I do wonder... In my lesser moments, I do wonder how many feminist ultras who spend their lives railing against oppression, quite rightly in many cases, I wonder how many of them would put equality on hold if it meant they got a quote unquote girl, like South African style, to give them a hand with the kids. Like, that would be an interesting experiment, wouldn't it? Like, like, I'm sorry if that sounds cunty. It does sound cunty. But it would be an interesting experiment, I think. You know, like, you're quite rightly angry at how unfair society is across the genders. Or, you know, on mothers. You know, you feel oppressed. Well, what if I told you? You can have all the help that you need. And it's in a tropical paradise. But it's also an horrendously racist place. Would you take that deal, guys? Would you? Where does the egalitarian equality stuff stop and the racism start for you, dear listeners? <laughs> Look, I'm sorry, but so sometimes these thoughts, they just pop in my head and I've just got to get it. Like, I have a weird head. There's nothing I can... Well, there's very little I can do about that. I had a disrupted childhood. Divorced parents, you know, shit estate. Entire families coming to live in our... Living room. Shit was hectic. Like, weren't you listening a minute ago? Anyway, it's it's just not been Thailand. <laughs> That's it. It's just not been the same. Uh, going from Phuket to Warrington has been my very own riches to rags tale, I suppose you could say. Although, do you know what? Like, it's not lost on me. You know, the, the, the sort of pampered detachment that I'm exhibiting, you know, comparing my, what, like, fucking having to lower the standards of my holiday <laughs> to, to people fleeing murder. Like, this shit's ridiculous. I know. I am utterly ridiculous. Like, oh, oh, did you have, you had a cheap holiday, did you, Aid? Oh, 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 you poor bastard. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make you the pianist, I'm afraid. Anyway, so look, let's let's touch on some other bits, shall we? Before I get accused of completely veering off politics, you know, people flicking down the politics charts, going, "Oh, maybe I'll check this out." This doesn't sound very political. The guy's just fucking talking about South Africa twenty-five years ago or some shit. Anyway, so 
we've been away and I've been keeping my eye on the news. Um, obviously, the inflation figures were a big thing this week. That's a step in the right direction. Um, it's nice to see that things aren't doubling in price again. We're not at 11% anymore. We're down to 6.8, I gather. So, yeah. 6.8% inflation. So, that's something, you know. It is literally something. I don't know if it needs that much celebration, personally. In fact, it's infuriating to see cabinet Tories pretend again that this is some sort of incredible achievement. You know, like, without fail, every time. You get a Leanderthal, you get a Gillian Keegan, you get Shaps and Sunak. Guys, look, our plan is working. We're bringing down inflation. Like, first off, there's no we in this. You're not in this, guys. You're just fucking not. Not from a, you know, feeling the pain perspective. And nor from you getting the credit perspective either for bringing it down. So you could shut that shit straight down, straight off the bat. When you come out with shit like, oh, guys, guys, look, our plan is working. We are bringing down inflation. Like you, what the fuck did you do? You fucking morons. You, you sent it soaring in the first place. That's what you did. Can we at least get an acknowledgement of that first? Please. Please, can we just get some vague nod to reality that signing off on a bunch of uncosted tax cuts and refusing to properly price cap energy bills and, and, and uh, the mini budget making it more costly to borrow and the panic buying of bonds by the Bank of England, like all of this shit, all of this, this, this casino cunt fiscal fuckery. Like where where chancellors and spads should have been, you know, taking care of it. You, you just had some, you know, top hatted Tory spinning and tornadoing through the exchequer and global markets like a fucking Tasmanian devil, you know. And boom, before you knew it, your four hundred pound a month interest only mortgage was two thousand pounds. That was you. If you were curious to know what you did, look what we did. Look, our plan is work. No, that is what you did. Just energy bills exploding, inflation exploding. But we all know this, right? We are all acutely aware of what happened and how it hit us personally in our bank accounts. But now that the worst of that appears to have happened, <laughs> now that the impact of the asteroid has taken place, now that it's not, you know seven other asteroids hitting us now it now it's only just you know a few tsunamis and you know triggered earthquakes and and the atmosphere is reshaping and unholy storms and everything are happening like it's still all awful but now they like look look though no asteroids huh <laughs> yeah you're welcome <laughs> they want credit for it just being only a little bit as bad Still no apology for how terrible it all came to be and how they're responsible for it all. I mean, I, I don't need to, you know, wheel out my usual dismay at all of this, do I? I mean, you guys, you know how disingenuous 
there being when they hype up inflation as only being 7%, right? Like, it's still getting more expensive. It's just doing it at a slightly slower pace than it was when it was 11%. Like, you're still getting poorer. <laughs> you're still losing money. You're still going broke or broker. You're just... You're just a slightly slower service crap table at the casino. That's all that's happening. You know? And it's still all down to this government, to the Conservative Party. We know this. I know. You, you already know this, guys. I don't need to go through it all over again, dear listeners. You're smart people. You know this stuff. I mean, I do, <laughs> I do think it's... I do think it's kind of like... You know, it is a bit... Fun. Like, seeing this government move through this period that they're in at the moment. Like, they'll claim, like, oh, the plan is working. You know, we pledged to halve inflation. And we're nearly there, guys. Like, fucking wow, lads. That, that's amazing. You brought inflation down from 11% to, like, just under 7 But, but here's the thing, right? <laughs> Mortgages, which are the biggest of your bills, usually, right? And the... Th and the thing that's ballooned the most by the highest amount. Mortgages aren't even included in that. We Well, we've nearly halved inflation, guys. It's like, oh, well, thanks. Thanks for only increasing my household bills by another £37 this month. I mean, it's better than the 45 that it was last quarter. So I guess in a weird sort of, in a weird perverted way, I sort of saved £8. <laughs> I'm like, hashtag Tory logic. So that's good. Thanks thanks very much for that. I, I don't want you to think that I'm not grateful. I, I am. You know, I'd rather have that £8 or whatever than, you know, again, lose it. That's great. Anyway, thank you for not hiking my bills 11%. But unless this quote-unquote saved £8 is going to somehow cushion the blow of the £2,000 a month mortgage payments, this all feels a little bit moot, to be honest with you. You know? Food only went up by 11%. This, oh, fucking, that's amazing. Okay, great. Now do rent and mortgages. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> it's like, it's insane. Like, where do people think this is heading? Do you know what I mean? Where is this heading? Like, if this shit doesn't let up soon, you're going to end up with families with two kids from the UK fleeing and rocking up at their relatives' houses in South Africa. They're going to be like, knock, knock, yeah. Can, can we stay in your lounge for a little bit? Because th things are getting a little bit dangerous <laughs> back home. You know, like, it's wild. It's like, you know, now we have our bills, obviously, and we have the housing crisis, and then we've got the mortgage crisis now, which is going to become the private rental crisis within the next few months. We've got inflation out of control like fuck your small boats man like i'm i'm gonna fuck around and become an economic migrant <laughs> to joburg you know have the whole thing go full circle or something i'm gonna turn up at my cousins it'll be me my girlfriend our two kids i'm gonna live in their lounge for months on end and you know till i can get myself on my feet till i can get myself a job as somebody's girl maybe wear an apron and provide for my family <laughs> I don't know. Like, would would we be refugees then in that instance or economic migrants? 
or would we just be on holiday? I don't, it's difficult to say. Like the three seem to blur into into one these days. Anyway, look, what else? What else has been going on? Um, so while we were driving up up north last week, I've been itching to talk about this on on the podcast. While we were driving up, my girlfriend uh, was telling me about this video of a 1970s ad that she came across. I, th- I think I think her brother showed it to her. And I am obsessed with it. Uh, This ad is just, you know, like if you like me and you like that weird shit, right? (laughs) Weird internet content. Like we're here for the weirdness, aren't we? I think me and my audience. Uh, If you are, then this ad is right up your fucking street. This ad is is everything. Like I put it on Twitter the other day. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm obsessed with this ad. You know, just the tones and the undercurrent of hate and resentment that flowed through this man, this father in the advert. And he's not even cramped in. He's not even in someone else's house, I don't think, you know. He's just angrily promoting British pork. And he's giving off huge serial killer or, like, murder-suicide vibes. He just is. He, anyway, look, I'm, I'm going to play it for you. Are, are you ready? I'm going to share it with you guys. So here we go. Let's fucking do this. Got what it takes, my wife. Got friends round. Got roast pork for lunch. Plenty of taste, British pork. Real value for money. Fred's got plenty. Arthur's got plenty. We've all got plenty. Plenty to go round. My wife's got what it takes. British pork. What's it got? It's got the lot. Got pork for lunch on Sunday? Like, it's just, it's like everything about this video is like a snapshot in time, you know? But it's like, it's both from a, a sort of, you know, a fashion and film quality kind of way. Because they're all obviously of an era, right? It looks very late 70s, you know, maybe early 80s to me. But also, it's a snapshot in time of, of a specific afternoon that took place somewhere in England just before this man murdered his entire family. Like, can we just say that? Can we just say outright that this guy just has to be a murderer, doesn't he? Real value for money. Like, I just don't see how he hasn't buried bodies in marshland. Like, listen to it. Like, look at him. <laughs> like, I know, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by the cover, but sometimes the illustrations are just so good. Real value for money. Got what it takes, my wife. Whether we've got friends round, we've got roast pork for lunch, and plenty of taste. Roast pork. We've all got plenty. Like why? Why does he sound so menacing? Real value for money. It's like he's angry at how good the value was. <laughs> I think. I think that's what's happening here. It's like he's angry. He's pissed off at how good the deal was. Real value for money. You know, it's it's like when have you ever had somebody like angrily agree with you? You know, where they go like, oh, have you heard the new Pearl Jam album? And you go, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, you, you're like, I know. Like, I just I just said that. Like, why why are you angry about it? Real value for money. Fred, Fred's got plenty. Arthur's got plenty. Fred's got plenty. <laughs> Arthur's got plenty. We've all got plenty. <laughs> we've, we've all got plenty. We've all got plenty, thank you very much. Not that it's any of your business. We've all got plenty. We don't need your shitty pork with no no meat on the bone and your wife. We've got plenty. 
Plenty to go round. We've got plenty here, thank you. My wife, my my wife cooked the pork. Not your wife, my wife, didn't, didn't you, Vera? My wife. You cooked the pork. You, you've got what it takes. You cooked the pork, didn't you? Didn't you, Vera? My wife. Uh, well, well, yes, and, and I, I used the sauce. Don't for... talk, Vera. I already said that. Don't, I said don't talk. Right, but, but, but I just thought that... I said no talking. You know, smashes the plate against the wall. Now clean it up. Anyway, look, in, in these divisive times... It is nice to have a thing that, you know, brings people together. And I just wanted to share with you guys now on the pod how emboldened and validated I felt uh, when I put this on Twitter the other day. And uh, a lot of you, like, because a lot of the time, like, especially when you're partial to weird humour specifically, like you sort of, you know, like you see something and you go, oh, maybe that's funny, you know, or, you know, maybe this guy's a sociopathic serial killer. But there's always a risk that I'm the weird thing. I'm the weird one. And everyone else, when they see it, they're like, oh, like what, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, don't be weird. <laughs> you know? But yeah, it was nice to share this video and find that some of you guys also got major family murder suicide energy from this guy. Like, like the hate and the coercive energy just emanating from him. We've all got plenty. So I put it up on Twitter and I said, I am obsessed with this advert. I like I just cannot articulate the undertones and subtext of hate and coercion that I am detecting from this. And you guys said, yeah, seems like lunch at Fred West's uh, hallmarks of a serial killer. I uh, think he wants to pork me and then possibly bury me under the floorboards. Yeah, he's definitely got grand patio plans, hasn't he? And I'm like... <laughs> Like, what What the fuck is going on in this advert? That's when Keith Taylor tweeted back, like, yeah, two options here. One, he fucked that pork joint. <laughs> or two, it's actually the thigh of the son he sacrificed. Uh. Because, I mean, yes! He's so, so sociopath, isn't he? I mean, look at that face. Look at him. There isn't a jury in the world that wouldn't convict him in a matter of minutes. Even if he had three alibis. Real value for money. My wife's got what it takes. Richard said, God only knows what would happen if she didn't have what it takes. My wife. Not your wife. My wife. Like the coercive energy there is just... Like, is she his wife? <laughs> or is she... Is she the girl? Like, that is a sort of subservient dynamic that I'm picking up here. Tim Mitchell tweeted like, It puts a lotion on its skin or it gets her hose again. All right, guys, look, look, I, th I think I think what we're dealing with here is a snapshot in time. When when men spoke and behaved a certain way and TV was different, you know, there was only two channels. And so to pass the time for entertainment they would go to one another's houses got friends around and observe each other coercively abusing their families and i'm just i'm just saying i'm here for it i totally understand it you know who doesn't like observing a family row <laughs> who doesn't like kicking back and say oh this is all seeming really awkward and weird. <laughs> i'm here for it. it's the only reason i still show up at christmas <laughs> see some of that drama you know we've We've all opened our presents. I've had a little bit of turkey, but now I'm a little bit bored. More gin, aren't Trish? Kick that show off. 
But yeah, I've, that's my theory anyway, is that entertainment was so dry that people used to just go around each other's houses and watch this kind of, like, <laughs> whatever the fuck this is, or whatever it was about to explode into. This guy's fucking voice and tone and demeanor, like, he's just about to snap, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know. And entertainment isn't much better now. You know, let's just be real about this, from fucking Love Island to rip off Britain, to Gogglebox, you know? Like, if you gave me the choice out of watching all of that nonsense or going to this guy's house <laughs> and bearing witness to whatever magnificently awful story this was about to become and explode into, I might be tempted to go around this guy's house <laughs> rather than watch Love Island. I'm just being... Don't fucking judge me, you know? It... it British mainstream entertainment is inarguably awful. It just fucking is. And that's why you're here. Watching an exhausted, delirious father of two amuse himself on a live stream. <laughs> Roasting this roast pork obsessed motherfucker. Plenty of taste, British folk. Fully aware that this guy, this guy might actually just be me in the future. You know? Like, it's like as stressed out and angry as I get with my kids running around, you know, in the pressures of fatherhood and they're breaking shit. And like, who fucking knows? You know, maybe maybe this place isn't even this cunt's house. He's just another knackered out dad with two kids trying to keep it together, staying in someone else's front room. Guys, that's it. Uh, do buy a ticket for the live show. That's coming up 28th of September in London. It's at the book club in Shoreditch. It's me, Ashley Hayden, Otto English, John Martin. Uh, if you can't make it to that, maybe consider jumping on the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end. And if you can't do either of those things, please do share me about. Uh, give me a retweet when I'm talking about the podcast uh, or write me a podcast review. That would be amazing. Um, something to help the shit grow. Right. Anyway, uh, with that, in mind a uh, big shouts to the patreon backers as always so yeah much love to uh bowman kai chris david martin mojo sabian peter del monte pingu silent Stuart, t-rex aaron alex jeff ned sarah simon ailsa chris fat shirley malcolm Rodri and Kerry, thank you so much, guys. Big doff of the caps to all of you. Looking forward to meeting as many of you as I can at the September show. If you can't get tickets to that, uh, do consider coming to the Riot Society. That's coming up in November. You can get tickets to both of those at the moment, certainly, before they sell out, uh, at funk-27. That's my website, funk27.co.uk forward slash shows. Ah. Uh that's it that's it for now um but do not fear i'm back with lots more episodes soon lots more guests plenty of guests we've all got plenty uh, take care of yourselves stay booge and i'm out this motherfucker <laughs>